0: Often imitated, never duplicated, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast with a bad attitude. When given the choice, he presses one for English. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Oh boy, oh boy. I'll tell you right now, this is another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, but I may be all talked out. Uh, Randy and I have been talking about how much we talk, so I'm going to try to speed it up for the beginning of this episode and just say welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am here to help you feel confident about your impending encounter with Medicare or your loved one's impending encounter, or your, your neighbor, or whatever. We're here to help you people feel good about Medicare and to learn what you need to know about it and to be able to ignore the uh, superfluous or the unimportant information. And I do that by virtue of my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, 2023 if it's 2023 when you're listening to this episode then that's the book that you want to purchase from either barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com and you will have your choice of several different editions if you go to amazon.com you will be able to get the very inexpensive ebook or kindle version you will be able to get the the uh, book in which the audible book in which i do all the work for you i turn the pages i pronounce the difficult to pronounce words and i put the thoughts into your head all you have to do is listen and absorb the workhorse of the whole fleet of books is the paperback edition which is an eight dollar item on amazon a nine dollar item at barnes and noble with colored illustrations And then finally, we have the magnificent hardcover $22 work of art at Amazon that I strongly recommend for those of you for whom money is less important than the acquisition of the finer things of life, because I believe that that hardcover book is one of the finer things of life. Anyway. I would like to introduce my major domo, my uh, assistant, my friend, my uh, compadre, my engineer, my podcast supervisor, uh, Randy Carson. Randy, it's a pleasure to be uh, in your company today.
1: Well, thank you, Doug. Uh, The feeling is mutual. Absolutely. I did want to say that we're going to try to keep closer to the script today we occasionally we have been accused of going out in the weeds
0: and rightfully accused. <laughs> we don't have a legal leg to stand on when it comes to defending ourselves from that accusation.
1: Yeah, we so, spent what was it? 20 minutes last time talking about uh,
0: what was it we were talking? Tarantulas, about? I believe.
1: Tarantulas. Yes, Tarantulas. Yeah. So we're going to stay away from the tarantulas today and we're going to go right to the meat of the subject which is Doug's knowledge about Medicare particularly Medicare and supplements.
0: Oh would that be the meat of the uh, would that that would be the meat of the the subject today but first we've got to take a side trip to the land of CDC. Those oh, people Oh, am
1: I going to have to learn to speak again?
0: Yes, we're going to have to correct your English language. Your Whoa. adjectives are hurtful. They're Darn hurtful it. to other people and so we have to make sure that you know that your speech patterns are inferior and hurtful and uh, you've got to fix yourself, buddy. Check yourself. So I'm going to
1: take I'm going to take close notes today.
0: Please do. Uh, it's uh, going to you're going to have writer's cramp at the end of it because last episode it was rural and us rural folk from either Wayne, Illinois, or whatever town in uh, Nebraska you hail from, we were set straight as to what we should be called so that our feelings aren't hurt. This, uh, this um, particular category is, my understanding, it's Steve's favorite category. Steve did show particular interest in this uh, category. It's sexual orientation and gender identity. I think they could have probably made that into two different categories. So here is all the stuff, I'm going to whip through this, here is all the stuff you're not allowed to say anymore if you're going to follow the CDC's suggested guidelines on English language usage. You can't say homosexual anymore. You cannot you say using MSM, men who have sex with men, as shorthand. I never heard of such a thing, MSM, never ever heard of that, as shorthand for sexual orientation to describe men who self-identify as gay or bisexual individually or collectively. MSM. I never heard of such a thing. More things you can't use. Transgenders. Transgendered transsexual. You can't use any of those terms. You can't use biologically male or female. Genetically male or female. Hermaphrodite. Gendered pronouns you cannot use are her or she he, she, his, or her, and his, her. I don't get the problem with that. Gendered pronouns, you cannot can't use those things. You cannot use sexual preference, which is used to, to suggest somebody's sexual identity as a choice. Oh, boy, we can't have that, and therefore it could be changed by choice. You cannot say sexual preference, because it's indicative of the fact that their choice is uh, voluntary. You can't not say gendered binary language, gendered, comma, binary language when not necessary. Or you can't use gendered or binary language when not necessary. Here's what they want you to use instead. LBGTQ or LBGTQIA or LBGTQ+, or this is my favorite one, LGBTQIA2. They want you to use lesbian, gay, or bisexual when referring to self-identified sexual orientation. Using MSM, men who have sex with men, to mean people who report being male at birth and having had sex with a person who was a male at birth regardless of self-identified sexual orientation. Jeez. Queer, pansexual, asexual, transgender, assigned male or slash female at birth, designated male or female at birth you can't just be male or female apparently gender non-conforming hmm two-spirit and i think that's what steve brought up that's how i knew steve had sneaked ahead to this particular category non-binary gender queer gender diverse people or person with intersex traits and here are some pronouns singular they or their He, she, they. Okay. We plowed through that one. Oh, here are some notes. Darn it. Use LGBTQ community and not, for example, gay community to reflect the diversity of the community unless a specific subgroup is meant to be referenced. Consider using terms sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Use the gender neutral language whenever possible. For example, avoid stewardess and consider flight attendant instead. Consider using terms that are inclusive of all gender identities. For example, parents-to-be, expectant parents. And finally, be aware that not every family is the same and that some children are not being raised by their biological parents. Build flexibility into communications and surveys to allow full participation. Boy, these people are nuts and uh, they have no respect for traditional English language. And therefore I have no respect for them, but it's kind of fun to see what they don't want us to say, because then I make an effort to go back and use that particular terminology. Randy, Randy has a question. I don't blame him. I have many questions.
1: I have a comment. I'm going to give you an example of something that they say is appropriate.
0: All right. I'm ready and waiting. I don't
1: know what that would be. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I realized all of a sudden by the blank look on his face that no comment was going to be forthcoming (laughs) because this is such a stupidly confusing and waste of resources. Why don't we spend
1: some time and money on something that, you know, would be more beneficial other than dreaming up names? Like, you know, I don't know what it would be, but certainly the CDC can come up with something better, can't they?
0: Well, here's the thing. Aren't we... Uh, divoting, divoting. Aren't we devoting <laughs> large sums of money for their annual budget so they can go out and prevent and control diseases? Isn't isn't
1: not that, the, that their main isn't that their main objective?
0: We don't have a department of correcting the English language so as to avoid hurt feelings and to properly uh, use I- identifying terminology. If we did, we would have a budget that Congress would vote on, and, and they would uh, have something to uh, to do. You know, they would be assigned that task. The CDC I, took it upon themselves.
1: I just wanted to point out, I heard this expression more than once in my life as a child, and I thought it was appropriate, and I think it's all that's necessary. Either you quit crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah, there isn't, you go. Isn't that something along the same lines?
0: It seems to me that the parents in any situation should maintain their um, their authority by saying no. When people suggest this stupidity, somebody should be an adult and say no. We're not no, going you. to cater to your stupidity.
1: You got it. I absolutely agree with you. Well, I'm going to go ahead and mute myself out as the nominal production manager here so we can move forward
0: well, I'm going to speed up my uh, Medicaid infusion of knowledge by 2x so that we uh, make up for lost time and wasted uh, (laughs) um, podcast uh, minutes that we have might have uh, put to better use in the past. One of the things I want to talk about today is questions from correspondents. People ask me questions all the time. Some of them are repetitive and I don't do the same ones over and over again in the podcast episodes. Others are interesting because they're unusual, at least to me. So, Here's one from a guy named Douglas. No relation. He's no relation to me. He's, uh, he's from a totally different state and has a totally different last name. He says, good evening, sir. I just got done reading your great book, and I got a lot out of it. But I was just wondering, up here in Minnesota, how much is a single person allowed to make while still collecting medical insure, uh, medical assistance? And I think he means Medicaid. I'm getting conflicting answers, and I'm very confused. I don't know much about the medical system anyways, and that's why I read your book for a dummy like me. Um, My book is lazy, not dummy. That's a whole different book. But I want to work instead of laying back and collecting medical assistance and food stamps, but I just don't know how much money I can make before I have to come off the program. Thank you, sir, for your expertise. Advice. I'm really looking forward to your response. Warm regards, Douglas. And so I responded to him thusly I said, Hello, Mr. So and so. The reason you are getting conflicting answers is that this is a confusing subject and very few people have the expertise you seek, including me. Medicaid is a state run program and thus has no consistency from one state to another. Each has different rules. And usually only local experts can be relied upon for accurate information. I am sorry not to be able to assist you. So that's, uh, he did write me back and say, well, thanks very much for at least giving it the old college try. I, uh, I'm i glad that I, I was able to at least tell him that he's got to go someplace else to find out that information. And here is a uh, piece of correspondence from Isabel. <clears throat> Isabel is uh, fed up. She's at the end of her rope, and she says, Hi, Doug. Is it possible to return to original Medicare after 11 years with an Advantage Care plan? After these COVID years and frantically helping my husband get through a severe but brief case of Lewy body dementia, I am finished with the medical field. Just want to make sure there are not hidden costs to dropping the Advantage plan, and I don't particularly want a supplemental plan. Thank you so much, Isabel. And I answered Isabel in uh, the following manner. I said, thank you for writing, Mrs. So-and-so. You are approaching the ideal time of the year to disenroll from a Medicare Advantage plan and to return to original Medicare sometime during the period from October 15th to December 7th. You should notify your Medicare Advantage plan in writing that you want to disenroll as of December 31st. The act of disenrollment by the plan will automatically move you back to original Medicare Parts A and B. The earlier you take that action, the sooner you are likely to receive official confirmation from the government as to your Medicare number and the start dates of Part A and Part B. Buying a Medicare supplement plan or not is your choice. But having one might leave you, excuse me, not having one might leave you exposed to a sizable amount of medical charges if something unfortunate should happen to you. I know nothing about your health history, but the rule of thumb is that you have to be able to qualify in most cases by answering health history questions in a manner satisfactory to the company. If you would like an idea of what a Medicare supplement plan would cost you, please fill out the attached questionnaire and return it to me and I will send you some quotes. Once again, the decision is entirely yours, but both Medicare and Medicare supplements are forms of protection against potentially devastating bills for medical treatment. Let me know if there's any other way I can be of assistance. So she wrote back and said, thank you for the information about quitting The Kaiser Permanente Advantage Plan. And yes, I would be interested in some quotes. And so then I wrote her back and I said, attached is Medicare supplement quotes. And I explained the fact that I not only am sending quotes for the most commonly uh, viewed Plan G, but also the high deductible Plan G, which she may find more satisfactory uh, because it is so much less expensive and still provides. Excellent, excellent protection, and I'm hoping that uh, she will come around to my way of thinking, which is that some insurance is better protection than no insurance, and I'm hoping that she uh, will be wise enough to, uh, at least buy the uh, minimum protection. Also, I sent her a um, Medicare uh, Part D prescription drug plan explanation as to how those plans are chosen and how she might benefit from having a plan even if she doesn't take any prescription medication because she doesn't want to get a nasty surprise if she decides to get a plan down the road and find out she has to pay a lifetime late enrollment penalty. So I always tell people what the cheapest available plan in their particular residential area is in case they don't take drugs but want to stave off that late enrollment penalty. So moving ahead Uh, I'm pretty excited to see that we're actually plowing through the Medicare uh, information in a much more responsible way than we have typically in the past. I've got an article here that says 10 million baby boomers. That's between people born between 46 and 1964. 10 million baby boomers are expected to develop Alzheimer's. Here are 12 lifestyle changes that may prevent dementia. Randy just uh, had a... He just had a little Alzheimer's episode right there, which was kind of funny to look at, but he's back. I think he recovered from it already. So, Randy, I'm going to give 12 lifestyle changes that you might want to consider to stave off dementia. I did find out that a drug that I've been taking for acid indigestion called a proton pump inhibitor is uh, increases dramatically the possibility of becoming demented later in life. So first thing I did was stop taking that drug. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, let's see. What is dementia? It's a common term used to describe the loss of memory and decline in cognitive abilities. It's a condition characterized by physical changes in the brain. Its symptoms can vary widely, including difficulties with logical reasoning, personality changes, and the inability to carry out daily activities. It affects millions of people around the world and at its core poses significant challenges for seniors and their loved ones. So it affects not only memory, but also other essential cognitive functions that can make it difficult for a person to carry out day-to-day activities. Is dementia curable? While a definitive cure remains elusive, it's important to remember that ongoing research, uh, blah, blah blah, blah. I did actually read that they're working on a vaccine for Alzheimer's. I don't know how many decades or centuries it's going to take to come up with a vaccine that may actually work, but I'm glad they're working on it because uh, I'm hoping to live forever. And if I can uh, avoid Alzheimer's and uh, by virtue of a vaccine, um, I'm going to look into that very carefully. So Can you prevent dementia? Well, maybe by doing these 12 things that are going to be um, important in reducing your risk of developing dementia, according to this article. Number one, monitor your blood pressure. Did you know that nearly half of adults in the U.S. have hypertension, also known as high blood pressure? According to the CDC, that's the people that are correcting our English language and making it almost unrecognizable, Randy, in case you didn't recognize the uh, initials of that particular department, uh, 48% of adults have hypertension. That's almost half. To understand the implications, you should first understand a thing or two about blood pressure. It's the pressure of circulating blood. I think we understood that. Uh, If it's too high, over time, the elevated force causes damage to blood vessels and can have a negative impact on blood flow to many parts of the body. And yes, that includes the brain. The brain receives about 20% of your body's blood supply when all is functioning properly. And if that number is reduced, it can contribute to cognitive decline so keep your blood pressure under control is the uh the meaning of that first uh, thing. Thing number two, Randy and I have already accomplished. um, We quit smoking. Now, we both are still smokers, and we expect that maybe we'll return to smoking someday, maybe not. But quit smoking is what we have accomplished for the time being. And I will say that I watched my grandmother as I grew up, and when I was in my 20s, she was smoking again, And uh, she had quit in 1956, and by the 70s, she was smoking away, and I asked my mother uh, why she started smoking, and uh, because she had Alzheimer's, my mother said, well, she forgot that she quit. (laughs) That made perfect sense. So I'm not saying that Randy and I aren't ever going to start again, but our wives might want to take a look if they see us smoking uh, on a regular basis. Uh, they might want to do a cognitive uh, assessment to make sure that we haven't forgotten that we quit years before. Uh, number three, limit alcohol consumption. Okay, well, I do that by virtue of the fact that when I was young, I got more energetic when I consumed alcohol. And now I actually just want to take a nap. So I limit my alcohol consumption by going nighty-night um, Protect your head. This could be an important thing that I think uh, has gotten short shrift in years past. Over the past 30 years, research has found that moderate and severe traumatic brain injuries are associated with a higher risk of cognitive decline or dementia years after the initial head injury. Even mild brain injuries can raise the risk of dementia. Research suggests that about 9.5% of dementia cases can be attributed to head injuries to protect your brain health and reduce the risk of dementia associated with head industries, prioritize uh head injuries yes prioritize safety so then they list a bunch of things that you have to wear helmets uh while you're doing and um, I think the implication here is that the the more sissy you look the more protected you are so if you're going to wear sissy bike, bicycle helmets at least you'll you'll know what how silly you look in that particular helmet uh five number five challenge yourself stimulate your brain daily With puzzles, games, and other mentally challenging activities, try a new hobby, learn a new skill, read a novel, or even try learning a new language. The more effort you put towards keeping your mind active, the better off you'll be in the long run. Well, I try dealing with people who are becoming eligible to enroll in Medicare, and I'll tell you, that is a very challenging mental activity for me. Uh, I also will say that I observed my mother-in-law, who was an inveterate puzzle doer and crossword um, pursuer and an avid reader and did a lot of mental uh, calisthenics. And she did get Alzheimer's disease and it was a severe case and she had it for over 10 years, uh, including being pretty much comatose for a vast part of her last 10 years of life. But I can't say whether those activities that she engaged in were helpful or not, because they might have Delayed the onset. I don't know for sure, but it's possible that uh, she would have gotten it sooner or maybe even worse, although that's hard to imagine, had she not engaged in those brain stimulation activities. Number six, stay social. Loneliness and poor social relationships characterized by isolation or loneliness are associated with about 50% increase in dementia. Staying socially engaged can have a significant impact on your brain health. By nurturing relationships and actively participating in social activities, you can enhance your overall well-being and reduce the risk of developing dementia. And I I will tell you right now that loneliness is something that the feds and the and a certain political party have decided to use as their clarion call uh, going forward, they're going to devote many, many financial resources, and uh, they're going to blame a lot of people's ill health on loneliness. And they're using that term loneliness. So every time you hear these people talk about loneliness, you know that it's a concerted effort on their part to uh, direct the spending, fiscal uh spending to uh, a new area of um, preventive medicine. And I don't even think loneliness is that particularly big a deal or difficult to solve. But anyway, here are some suggestions to avoid loneliness, maintain regular contact with family and friends, whether through phone calls, video chats or in-person interactions when possible, engage in social activities and join clubs, organizations, or volunteer groups that align with your interests. Explore community programs and events that encourage social interaction and that provide opportunities to meet new people. Consider participating in group activities or classes, such as art workshops, fitness classes, or book clubs, to foster connections with like-minded individuals. Number seven, follow a healthy diet. A healthy diet packed with fruits, vegetables, nuts, and whole grains is beneficial for your brain. Fill your plate with nutrient-dense foods to ensure that you're getting plenty of antioxidants and other brain-nourishing nutrients. Some studies suggest that specific diets, such as a Mediterranean diet, can reduce the risk of dementia. Well, this Mediterranean diet I've heard of is reducing the risk of heart disease, so maybe it does more than one good thing. I don't know. Exercise regularly. According to the CDC, these are the morons that tell you that you have to wear masks everywhere you go. Only 28% of Americans are meeting their physical activity guidelines. This means that a, a pretty significant portion of the population is missing out on the benefits that exercise can provide. Exercise is one of the best things you can do for your body, and it turns out that it's great for your brain, too. Research consistently shows that regular physical activity not only improves cognitive abilities, but also reduces the risk of dementia. You should aim for at least 30 minutes of physical activity on most days of the week. Remember, exercise doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. Even a brisk walk, dancing or gardening, I like to dance in my garden, can contribute to your overall fitness and well-being. Number nine, my favorite of all of this list of 12 things. Randy's looking pretty excited. Oh, really? What? Which one is your favorite? My favorite is number nine, sleep. Lack of sleep can contribute to cognitive decline, impacting our memory, attention, and overall cognitive performance. So how much sleep should you, should you aim for? Experts generally recommend getting seven to eight hours of sleep each night to ensure optimal cognitive function and overall well-being. Number ten: Manage stress. Don't get married. Oh, just kidding. That was just a joke for the con- uh, the content curator of the Medicare for the Lazy Man staff. Manage stress. Stress is an inevitable inevitable part of life, but chronic stress can take a toll on your mental and physical well being, including brain health. Research suggests that chronic stress can impair memory and cognitive function it can interfere with the formation of new memories and affect our ability to concentrate and think clearly try incorporating relaxation techniques oh randy was just relaxing big time that was such a big yawn Uh, here are a few uh, techniques to try meditation deep breathing exercises and yoga I'll go with the meditation. I'll go with the deep breathing, but you get me onto a yoga mat, and it's because you pointed a gun at my head and forced me to do it. Uh, Eleven, manage medical conditions. If you've got something wrong with you, get it fixed. Uh, otherwise, you're you're risking, you have a higher risk of uh, uh, impaired cognitive function and reducing uh, or increased uh, dementia as you age. Follow your doctor's recommendation for managing medical conditions. Conditions. And that's an important thing because uh, your doctor can provide expert guidance and personalized advice based on your specific medical history and condition. Your doctor can order you to modify your lifestyle um, activities to suggest changes, including diet modifications, regular exercise, and stress reduction techniques. I think they just went back over the previous pages of the article and uh, reused some of those ideas medication adherence if prescribed medications to manage your medical conditions um, you should adhere to the recommended dosage and schedule Uh, they say that's crucial medications help control blood pressure cholesterol levels and blood sugar reducing associated risk for dementia finally we get to the end of this oh man number 12 prioritize your mental health Although more research is needed to fully understand the relationship between depression and dementia, it's clear that taking care of your mental health can play a role in reducing the potential risk. If you or someone you know is experiencing symptoms of depression, anxiety, or other mental health concerns, don't hesitate to ask for help from a qualified healthcare professional. Here are some steps you can take to prioritize your own mental health. Seek professional help. Boy. Treatment options. Uh, depending on your specific needs, treatment for depression may involve therapy, medication, or a combination of both, uh, or electroshock. they electroconvulsive therapy. That's been used in the past. Lifestyle factors. Engaging in activities that promote mental well-being, such as regular exercise, social connections, practicing stress management techniques can contribute to a healthier mind. They may also reduce the risk of uh, getting dementia. So, I think that's uh, pretty much all the time we need to spend on preventing dementia. Randy, um, do you feel sharper and uh, more with it now than you did before? I, uh, I I
1: do. I I picked up a couple ideas from that. It was all a, all great information, and, and it's all some of it's common sense. But you, there's other parts of it that you don't think about. But I, I picked up one in particular.
0: Which one was it?
1: I am going to make it a point to get some. Additional exercise during the day, chasing Medicare Advantage zombies down the street.
0: <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. If you learn to squash those things like the bugs that they are, yeah, then not only will you be Happier because you will have exercised, but the spiders in your neighborhood will be happy because nobody will be stomping I, on them.
1: I know, I know, and that and that woman that we were talking about earlier—that uh, she's uh, basically what twelve years on an advantage plan, and she wants to abdicate. The she's premises.
0: she's had it. She's had it. She said well, that's enough I, for
1: me. I wish her the best because obviously. Medicare Advantage uh, is just not the place to be, and I, I would, thought I would like. Let me read some of the other options I've got for a Medicare Advantage name. Sure. Well, there's Medicrap.
0: Oh yeah, I love that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then there's scam Medicare scam Vantage.
0: Sure. That br- that drags in the initial uh, or the additional um, uh, evil that uh, some of these people perform
1: yeah and then there's medicare disadvantage yeah just keep in mind folks that randy is always got your back looking for a new synonym for medicare advantage
0: and the reason we do this is because medicare advantage plans have such a great capacity to disappoint people and i believe on our next episode i'm going to give a good example of the disappointment that can occur with a medicare advantage plan so stay tuned for that ladies and gentlemen
1: Absolutely. Well, you know something? The seventy-five cents is gone.
0: Are we spending seventy-five cents? I thought it was fifty. Oh man.
1: Oh no, we're up to seventy-five now. The budget. I don't is, uh... remember when we did that, but yeah, we we are definitely up to seventy-five cents now. So ultimately, we are out of our seventy-five cent time limit. But before I sign off and land the plane, I want you to grab a pencil. Doug's email address is dbj at mlmmailbag.com, and he loves to hear from you. He is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning, and I would certainly advise you to take advantage of that. You can check us out at medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate you finding a place to give us a review. We could always use a good review on the book, And we could also use a good review on the podcast. But more important than anything, we want to thank you for joining us. You could have been many other places doing other things, and you weren't. You were spending a bit of time here with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and we certainly appreciate it. But if you didn't keep track of the time on your watch, we have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, No more. He's camped up in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona, with his Army surplus binoculars today.
0: That's right. They were very, very uh, attractively priced.
1: Yes, they were. And I'm going to put him in at about 12,000 feet.
0: Oh, thanks, Randy. I am so sorry that we have to leave now, but we'll be back, and I hope you'll be joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.